Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? It is Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 62. Once again, I'm your host, Brett Valentini. I've been your host for all of them. I don't know why I keep introducing myself. I'm here, and this is one of the fun ones. I mean, they're all fun. I mean, you guys will test. All these podcasts are fun, but these are the real fun ones. These are sort of the Meet the Players podcasts we have where we introduce a new member of the staff. I got to say, we're recording this a little bit, uh, a little prior recording here, but we're anticipating a very big diabilic day. Saturday is, is, it's noted on Southside Sox, diabilic day. She's got coverage that day. We've got a feature from her. We're running Meet the Players. All that stuff is up as this podcast pops up on Saturday. Di, welcome. I am thrilled to have you on the team. Thank you for the warm welcome. I am, I finally have a day. I mean, how long did that take? Diabilic day. Yeah, really. <laughs> Southside Sox has been around since like 2005. It's taken more than 15 years to get Diabilic day running on Unreal. SB Nation. Lame, but we're trying to correct that. And we're trying to uh, assault our readers with Diabilic today. Um, proper introduction is, let's see, I believe this is from Meet the Players, actor, comedian, writer, expired model. Now that's, that's a bio line. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the acting. Not a lot, but let's talk a little bit. What I really want to talk about is the audition for a Chicago Cubs commercial. <laughs> Please explain yourself, Diabilic. Oh, listen, if you say no to your agent, you're basically fucked. I mean, you're fucked because I couldn't say to her, hey, I hate the Cubs with every burning passion in my body. I can't say that to someone. Also, my agent, oh, I shouldn't say that. My agent <laughs> is a 
she's like old Hollywood. She's like, mm. oh, honey, <laughs> I, uh, I love you. You're so great. You should, you should do this, but you need to do something about your hair. I mean, mm. she'll say it to my face. She's brutal. I love her. That's mm. the type of person I like. Tell me the truth. But I just, if I say no to someone, the casting director will say, why did Ty Billick say no to this? And they can't say, oh, she fucking hates the Cubs. Right. She fucking hates the Cubs. She's a huge Sox fan. It's not about right. that. <laughs> you know what they'd say to me? You're an actor. Mm. So, Act it. Yep. And guess who didn't book it? Me. <laughs> okay. So set this up for me. What was it? Was like buy some tickets and go see the vomit trough? I mean, what, what was the... <laughs> Oh God, I don't even want to. So I told my husband that I might disown him over it, but he did book it. He booked it and it was about a, it was about, I tried to block it out. I think it was two years ago, but it it was like, a, the, what did you get your girlfriend for Valentine's Day or some dumbass shit? And like, he came up with a bouquet of like tickets or some shit. And I just, I don't know. I was cringing the whole time. And I told him when we started dating, he's from St. Louis. So I was like, my favorite teams in order are the White Sox and then the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Pirates, and the Reds. Okay. Just very sensible. You know the reason. Yes. You know the reason why. Do I really like those teams? I'll watch a Cardinals game and a Brewers game. I'll fucking watch a Reds game. I don't want to watch a Pirates game, but uh, I mean, I would, I guess, but uh, you know, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. The commercial was not really seen anywhere. Oh. So, I mean, I felt a lot of shame was upon my family, but when I first started dating my husband, I was like, you can't, you can't be a Cubs fan. Mm. And he's like, well, I don't really, I don't really hate the Cubs. And I was like, that's almost a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because we live on the north side, and the the good news is there was a there was a happy ending. Uh, he's a huge Sox fan. Yeah, huge, huge. I mean, he loves it. I think for listeners and the few viewers, I think based on this approximately eight minutes we've run so far, it is not a shock that he is now a huge White Sox <laughs> fan. I think you we've know? got a taste. Yeah. already as to why there was really no option here. So, okay. A, a commercial never seen. Uh, it's good to know. It wasn't like too marquee-ish. It could have gotten some very ugly territory. So that was good. Before, that was before. Oh, right before. Uh, that was before that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think I would have just outright said no. Cause I've said no to some of those. Uh, we used to have like voiceover auditions for Republican party. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I will not do that. Mm-hmm. Well, my agent said, if you don't do that one, I understand because everyone else has said no. And I'm like, of course I won't fucking do that. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's each his own, no judgment, but I, there's just some things I wouldn't put my name on. If I, if they would have given me the Cubs gig, I probably would have said no. Yeah. See, here's my, my follow up here. And I promise you, we will get past this Cubs audition. <laughs> I promise you at some point in the, in the second hour. But uh, my thought was, that perhaps you were going to go in hard for it and then tr- attempt to undermine it. I mean, I'm not really sure the flexibility you might have, but who's to say, you know, well, it could be just one inflection or one gesture. 
during the audition, I told the casting director how much I hate the Cubs. And I, no, I did. And they were laughing at me because I'm a comedian and they expect me to be me. And I was like, I was like, man, I was like, this is real acting. I, I hate yeah. the Cubs. This is like real acting. Cause a lot of times for commercials, you go in, you play yourself, you book it. You're like, wow, I'm a dime a dozen. What am I even doing with my life? I'm a, I'm a show. <laughs> and, uh, that is, I mean, that spot was no exception. I remember my husband sending me the final thing and he just, like this. Uh... he was just shaking his head. And I, I know he felt shame. And that was when I was like, okay, this is okay. Yeah, it's promising. Yeah. It was no, do not have to break up over the Cubs commercial. <laughs> exactly. uh, okay. Uh, again, we'll get off acting in a second, but let's address the fact that also in Meet the Players, again, it's linked in this article. It's linked in the copy for this podcast. If you haven't read it already, you can keep listening, but you're going to want to read it. You can pause, go read it. Any combination, you may have already read it. Now you're listening, go back and read it. It's cool. Any combination here on Diabolic Day, just make sure you consume your recommended daily allowance of diabolic because it's been more than 15 years diabolic free. We don't want that any further. We don't plan on having another day go by. Uh, but on the top, I have to get a new socks hat. I have to make it bigger to get a yeah. bigger socks hat. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, listen, now you got the gig. Now, you, you know, next time we talk, we're going to need to see some changes. It could be the big sombrero. It could be a, a steaming plate of elotes. It's going to be something, but we'll get yeah. to that. Uh, okay. So when you need to cry in an audition, the Mark Burley perfect game potentially can come up and help with it. And I may, might, might have it happen right now. Uh, apparently one of your very favorite Chicago White Sox games, I would assume. Yes. You know what? Through all of the, so I have him in order in my head. The Burley Perfect game is always, it's special. It's not like, oh, the Sox won this game. It's like, right. God, I, I I watch almost every Sox game. I, I probably miss like 10 a season, I would say. And that one was just like, and I won't get emotional, but I'll, I'll get very happy about it. If I watch it, I do. I start crying. Mm. It's, I'm like, God, this is really embarrassing. What's wrong with me? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's not going to change. The end of the game is not going to change. There's just something about Mark Burley just had that in him. And he just so deserved mm. to have something like that happen in like, just the whole, I'm like the catch and everything. I mean, everything about it. I, and I just, I love Mark Burley. Mark Burley is just, what a, can you find a better guy in baseball? I mean, everything about him, like, because yeah. like he cares about animals and he does work with, you know, like, like dogs and stuff. I don't know if he rescues dogs. I don't remember like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the extent of what he does, but what it just is stand-up guy and there's just something about that I just remember being on the phone with my dad watching it and just how do you get how do you get any better than that so it really was a uh call your friends call your neighbors call your mother's call your father's moment for you I talked directed everyone to do you're like okay yeah I better you probably were already on the phone but okay all right I better do it because we were on the phone he let the yeah he put the call out well uh, die often when we talk about favorite games and I'm not saying that you're picking this as your favorite game, but we talk about them often. It turns out that, you know, I'm 
lucky enough to have a connection to it. Me and my dad were at the perfect game. And you while were? I was, while I was, you know, cool, because <laughs> clearly <laughs> I, I'm really cool. My dad was running up and down the aisle, like in <laughs> kindergarten. Uh, I blame him. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we had some, some pretty good seats. Uh, the catch, of course, like everybody, everybody watching, everybody there thought, oh, God, oh, no. And I mean, you want to talk about one of the most remarkable, you know, defensive plays in baseball history, if not White Sox history. Um, just unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, it's always fun to apply those connections. And of course, yeah, the, uh, and the, you know, this was, Sometimes I've been at these games because, you know, I was actually there working, covering them. And this was prior to me even beginning to to work on a beat in sports. So it's just fun to be there, you know, as a fan, be there with my dad. Uh, in fact, I think it's the last game we went to. My, my dad's still with wow. us. We, you know, we've, I've addressed this before where we don't go to games together any longer, but uh, I think that was the last game we went to, which, you know, <laughs> you're going out on top. That's pretty good. <laughs> no, we didn't know <laughs> it then, get, but pretty can't good. Can't get better than that. That's can't get sure. better than that one. Um, all right. Talk to me about, uh, I was lucky enough to grab one as well. Uh, and this was before even knowing that people were going to just be able to back their cars up to the crumbling, tragic crumbling stadium and just fill their trunks but the comiskey park uh brick i assume has a special uh place in your heart or uh, perhaps on the memorabilia wall as well uh i have it's, it's sitting back there mm. i put it facing the south side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm not crazy uh <laughs> I, I live in a high rise facing, I'm on the beach and I can see like a little part of downtown. And uh, that brick I bought after the fact because I was still kind of young when it was mm-hmm. demolished and I wasn't like obsessed with the white socks like I am now. And the, I don't know, when I read uh, your, I read something that you had, I don't know if it was your meat player or whatever, but you said you were like taking a, a, a paint chip off of the the wall. And I was doing that to the seats. I was doing that to the seats. And I was like, I remember thinking that, like, I remember being there and, mm-hmm. and saying like, you know, like I said, I wasn't a diehard fan when mm-hmm. I watch every game or anything. I was a fan, but I just wasn't, you know, like it wasn't a daily part of my mm-hmm. life. But I remember thinking like, God, this is crazy. My, my grandpa and his dad were here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, like my grandpa ran on this, this field and mm-hmm. just very, very, it was emotional, but I, that was one of my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia. I was able to go out onto the field and I have some 2005 gravel. So <laughs> I know. All right. Yeah. And uh, those are my, those are my favorites. Yeah, and that's an interesting perspective. Being uh, a younger fan than me, being but uh, being old enough to have gone to the park, and then even as a young fan to be able to sort of recognize it as, and I certainly felt this way as well. Even though I took the park for granted, like most fans probably did, uh, that there was a that there was there was maybe a little bit of a museum quality to it, and that that the history did resonate in a park like that. And when you're young, you don't you're not really maybe you can't even necessarily vocalize it, but the fact that you had that feeling and that you could even connect it to your father, 
you know, your grandfather. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people had that feeling, you know, so that, that whole description of like walking, you know, up into the concourse and, you know, seeing the grass for the first time. And people have that feeling even about Sox Park now. Of course, you know, original Comiskey Park would, would give a different feeling and evoke so much different history that this new park uh, doesn't have. But it's, it's, it's neat to hear that, uh, <laughs> you were trying to grab your like little random souvenirs as well. Yeah. Cause I drove up from college, uh, to see one of the last, uh, not the last series, one of the last series it was in September. Um, drove up from Texas to, to see it. And, uh, yeah, I remember walking out just. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I could grab from it. I, again, if I had known somehow I was going to be able to like fill a trunk with bricks or something, then I would be right. like, oh, God, I'm more casual about it. Like <laughs> I could have wrestled a chair out of the place or something on some late night uh, weird mercenary move. But uh, yeah, at the time I was just like, oh, I, you know, I took some paint chips and put it in my souvenir cup. I was like, oh, I have a, I have a piece of the park. But uh, okay, uh, currently elotes, that is the go to food. Uh, um, I, my father, boy, my father keeps coming up here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that was. It's Okay, just I'll send you a bill at the end of this for your therapy. <laughs> okay, it's fair. Uh, but yes, we uh, when that stand opened, I I think we were we were there pretty uh, early on as uh, devotees of it as well. So uh, uh, just a, 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 a convenient devotees? yes, a convenient uh, go to food uh, for you. Different, it's different. So I'm a vegetarian, and I do have to say I love everything about muscular rate, muscular rate field. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the except the veggie dog, which I've spit out, and the veggie burger, which I have spit out. Both are just uh abhorrent. They are disgusting. Hmm. Uh they are not they shouldn't swallow them <laughs> ever. <laughs> Give me a nachos helmet. Right. Give me a beggar's cheese slice. Then give me a, a an elotes, no chili powder, extra lime, mm. and then give me a churro. Give me a fucking red rope. I'll eat all, all day. We call it uh, five meals. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we go to the park, it's five meals, and we have to get at least five. Oh, very good. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely most people, it seems, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's usually just grab bag for most people, but I think a lot of people do sort of have their stations. Like here's your sort of your, your pregame meal. Here's maybe what you're going to do in the early innings. Here's maybe what you're going to try and do before everything wraps up or as you're on the way out, if you're disgusted and, and you actually leave early, I, I don't know. Some people do that. Um, well, as a vegan myself, I can identify with the challenges that the ballpark presents. And I actually do not have such um, violent reactions to the fair there. Maybe it's out of desperation because there aren't really that many great options. Uh, but uh, that, at that said, I haven't been to Sox Park uh, in a while. So maybe somehow, maybe it's gotten worse. I don't know. Uh, I gotta say, even, even with like, that's the only thing I can talk shit about. I love that field. I am glad that we got a new field. I, it, it feels religious in a way to talk about old Comiskey and like, you know, that's what the feeling evokes. I'm a uh, militant anti-theist. If we want to, you know, go real far with that, but really, <laughs> um, you know, it feels religious to me. It feels mm-hmm. like it's sacred, but then, I mean, Comiscular rate is, it, it's amazing. It's clean. It's, mm-hmm perfect it's wonderful you know what i love that they started doing is the goose island bar 
slash, uh, you know, you go upstairs and yada, yada. Right. You get a free hat. Like the hats are good. Now I have <laughs> an amazing hat collection. And, you know, like we all have a really old hat that's been through sweat and now it's discolored and disgusting. And we have that. But now I have all these amazing free mm-hmm. hats. So now every game, my dad and I chant free hat. Free <laughs> hat. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the South Park episode, free hat. Mm-hmm. Amazing episode. But uh, the free hat chant stands. And I've got great hats. People have asked me, oh, my God, where'd you get that amazing ass hat? And I'm like, it was free. Yeah. Just had free. to walk to see the just had to walk to pet the goose. But I love it. I love yeah. it. I love that field. Uh I love everything about it. I can't got, complain except the veggie burgers and the, the veggie dogs. It got a worse. bad rap. It got a bad rap right off the bat. And certainly once the, re- the initial renovations came where they sort of actually roofed the place instead of um, having it be that UFO vibe yeah. uh, and uh, lowered the, uh, got the fans closer to the field. They lowered those, uh, the, the walls separating the fans from the field. Mm-hmm. I think they took out or they reduced maybe the moat in the outfield. Uh, you know, by that time now we're talking about a brilliant park. And the last thing, the last criticism that's held for quite a while was the whole shopping mall vibe. But isn't it ironic that the people pelting us with the shopping mall vibe now has have mollified the Wrigleyville area to such a degree. Uh, it is, uh, I mean, it's a shopping mall with vomit, but I mean, it is, it is beyond anything Sox Park ever was in terms of a shopping mall. And it's probably just getting worse. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I live right over here. I am two neighborhoods north of Wrigley, and I have walked there uh, just to, I'm going to say this, I'm actually going to say this. Uh, So every year when they lose, we take the walk to Wrigley, and we get some some big leak chew, the gum. Okay. And we, we abrade that shit into our lips. Okay. And then uh, my best friend and I, I have one side of the L, he has the other side of the L, and we put a huge L onto Wrigley Field, the, the wall on Sheffield, that side, and then we spit on it, and then we leave. That's a tradition I think anybody can get behind. I wouldn't be surprised if some people listening have a version of that already. I mean, not to here's, say it's not unique, but... Here's why. I, like, so my... My home theater, Stage 773, I was a Cupid player. We were the longest running musical comedy. The theater is now closed due to COVID. It's heartbreaking because I got to sing about pee in (laughs) front of a sold out crowd every Saturday. And it was amazing. Uh, And I don't have that outlet anymore. Uh, We have, you know, that's like Wrigley is also, Lakeview is also a big theater district for us. And a lot of us comedians, we perform there. And I loved Lakeview, the part that wasn't Wrigley because no one gave a shit about sports there. No one cared about sports there. And then you go one block over and it's like, oh, wow, everyone from the suburbs is coming in. And like, seriously, ask one of those people who have come in, like, who's the lineup today? Like, what's going on? And that's what I hate about Wrigley. And that's what I just can't stand about any of it. It's because it's like, don't argue with me. I'll fucking slice you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not surprising that we've gotten together. As we're sitting here talking, it's just, it's not shocking me. This is, this is a validating conversation. Um, 
Uh, that's a that's a good tradition. It's good. Uh, we have many uh, readers and and a fair amount of staff uh, within shouting or bubblegumming distance of the park. So uh, I think they in particular can identify with some of the struggles you face being so close to the world's biggest vomit trough. Uh, okay, yeah. let's uh, shift to uh, movies. Okay, uh, the. Um, Field of Dreams explanation is legitimate in your Meet the Players. Again, feel free people to pause, read, come back, whatever. Uh, but I'm a little puzzled by the shift as an actor. <laughs> a little puzzled by the shift to Major League. Do you care to explain yourself, Di? All right. Well, okay. I really, I loved that movie as a kid. I just loved it. Yeah. I loved, I didn't love Major League. I felt like it was very adult and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean... There was a point in time where HBO would play Field of Dreams over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, let's go <laughs> and watch this for the 150th time. And I would be saying the lines with mm-hmm. it. And I was like, this is the best movie ever. Wow. The acting, the, everything about it. Oh, God, we fall. Father, relationship, ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's up? A writer. A writer, wow. You know, like everything was like, oh, this is magical. That same best friend who I uh, do big, uh, <laughs> big L with, I was like, hey, we need to watch Field of Dreams because I'm scared. He's also an actor. Uh, he's not really a baseball fan, but uh, he was, he like played college basketball or something. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so I was like, we, we need to do this. We need to, we need to just see what this is like. And I swear my face the whole time was like, hmm. I, this, my, my memories have betrayed me. I this see. film is just, I don't know when you're an actor, you kind of rip everything apart and rip the logistics of things apart. After you've been on set for a long time, it's almost impossible to divorce yourself from the logistics of being on the set, i.e., how did they get that shot? Right. What was that guy? The other thing mm-hmm. is like, all oh, the actors in Field of Dreams were great, except for Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Why? How does he get jobs? So this guy, you know, he didn't do terribly, but it just, He's so damn corny. I'm sorry for the pun, but he's a corny man. And after I rewatched Field of Dreams, I'm like, how does this guy have a job? So then I turned on uh, that Rob Roy. Is that? Yes, Rob Roy. He isn't the star of Rob Roy. Everyone, it's it's set in, in the UK. Everyone around him has an accent. He was just this American mm-hmm. back in time. Amen. What are you talking about? He's so Costner. I know, but that film and him specifically made me so mad at Field of Dreams that it got wiped mm, from my favorite movies, my favorite baseball movies. But also during the Field of Dreams game, my ass also cried. I was tearing up. I was like, this is magical. This is amazing. And then that motherfucker had to ruin it by, he was getting interviewed. I think it was Joe Buck was like, uh, what, what made this special? And he said something like, yeah, you know, the, the way we did that film and the way that, you know, we had that, that speech and after, you know, an actor, uh, an actor, uh, was the only how did he word it he said oh a baseball player couldn't have done that fuck you man 
Actors are a dime a dozen. If you don't believe me, I am promising you that anyone <laughs> can anyone can be a variable for any other actor. It doesn't take either you have the skill or you don't, and that's fine. Some people are just like born with the skill. Mm-hmm. What is the skill? Pretending? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, not no offense to other actors. That's like all of my friends. And my <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we are, we just, we're not that special. And I know it's exciting to people that, oh, it's an actor being on set. It is exciting and it's fun, but it doesn't make you, I don't know. I think that it's way more impressive to be a baseball player. 162 games a year, maybe more, you know, with playoffs, you have to constantly, you're thrust into a, a, a role of being an instant role model. That's not something you asked for. You play ball. What are you talking about? Right? Like there's, it's so much more impressive. It's so much more of a feat than just sitting and pretending. And if you mess up during a film, you just <clears throat> do another take. They can't do like two takes. Bummer's in right now. I'm scared. Uh, perhaps a good time to remind you, I know um, no edits, uh, no retakes on this podcast. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, mind your words for your friends. Uh, okay, so let's uh, wind up the diabolic portion of this podcast, the first half, uh, so it is, uh, and talk about another great memory for you and an early fan memory because you were uh, pretty young for the World Series, but going to Midway, welcoming the team wait, back. Wait. I wasn't that young for the World Series. Well, if if okay, well, if one of your okay, as a, as a fan, I believe you identify and meet the players the first time you're getting hardcore into baseball is 2002. So yes, three yes, years yes. later, okay. Okay, okay, got it. So you, as a haggard fan in 2005, <laughs> but still new to the White Sox, uh, did go to Midway with your dad, uh, mm-hmm. high five some players, and somehow you got coop. I did. That I was your coop. contact moment. It was. Uh, it was. I was settling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh Kenny Williams had the nicest car. Uh that's I think it, it was Ozzy's car where the the trophy was in the passenger seat. Mm. Or we maybe it wasn't. I it it was it was very it was fast. It happened fast. I was uh carrying a big broom. I had suffered appropriate. I had suffered through, uh, and I was always a White Sox fan. I just started watching every mm-hmm. game around 2002. So I had suffered, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I had suffered. And suffered. We, again, we've established that you were a very old woman uh, at, at the time of the 2005 <laughs> World Series. And you probably barely made it through the welcome back uh, Midway celebration. Now, you did not carry that over to the parade itself. Your parade was going to Midway, or did you also tap into the parade? I didn't go to the parade. Right. I watched the parade live. Uh, little known fact: I do have a disability, so I have a I have a, a physical disability that's rare and genetic uh, that I don't love talking about. But there's some articles about there. Uh, but I can't, you know, stand for 18 hours yeah. straight in a <laughs> in a group of of people. So yeah. I did not go. I did not go to that. Yeah. Uh, but I watched it and yeah, I cried. How many World Series DVDs do I own? Only two. <laughs> yeah, right. Only that all the ones end. released. Sure. That's, okay. That's Fair. the one at the end of that, that. That's at the end of it. And it was uh, nice. Man, Minnie Minoso uh, crying 
at the end of that parade and just being so happy, that was just the best part of the parade for me. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, those are uh, good times. Maybe we're going to get a little taste of that sometime here in the decade. Hey, you know what? That's a great transition, Di. Let's, <laughs> let's focus now on the 2021 White Sox. We're going to take a short break. And if you're watching, guess what? There might not be a short break, but we will be back in the second half of this podcast to talk 2021 White Sox with the delightful Di Billick. We will be back in just a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, guess what, White Sox fans? We are back with Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. Oh, yeah, it's number 62. We've learned an awful lot about Diabilic in the first half. It's probably not the first half because we talked for, it seems like, hours. You learned a lot, and there will probably be a test uh, sometime maybe late on Diabilic Day, which, by the way, is today, Saturday, right in the middle, smack in the middle of the hated Crosstown Cubs series. Try to identify anyone remaining in their lineup. Dabby, look, let's talk about the 2021 White Sox. Let's start with your expectations going in and have they been exceeded, uh, Matt, or are this is this team somehow fallen short for you in 2021 so far? Man, so they've been met. In 2019, the I just had that feeling again where it's like, we have a couple of spots to fill in. And then the majesty that was all of the trades and all the, 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 like, I couldn't believe how much money we'd spend. And I mean, that obviously raises expectations for a lot of people. I was just, I was kind of hesitant to say like, Hey, we have to go all the way now. Like we're going to, but you can't deny that there's definitely something going on. Uh, I I don't trust Kimbrel or Tapera. I think they're sleeper cells. <laughs> I have had many of my uh, of our fellow staff members shout me down when I raised the issue of Cubby Stink, and I've been I've I've toned it down. But <laughs> I gotta say. It's the real thing. I hope it doesn't rear its head any more than it already has in 2021 and in seasons to come, mm-hmm. but it is a real thing. And, and you're validating me here, Di. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I have wondered why Kimbrell does that thing. I understand that he is a future Hall of Fame pitcher, but why does he do that thing? And can we get him to stop? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about our acquisitions from the cops. Uh, when you said, is there anyone even more recognizable for this series? 
I think, and you know, uh, I mean, maybe Sunday or something, they're going to, we're going to see Nick Madrigal in a guest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. What else, uh, what else can they do? Uh, I don't know. I, that's, I, I'm so happy with this team. The only uh, player that I didn't really like was Adam Eaton. And he just gave me, I didn't like seeing him back. He just gave me a lot of like, I'm not going to be like esoteric here or anything, but just didn't like the way he played. He seemed mm-hmm. kind of selfish and it didn't seem like a, a good fit for this entire team. And uh, everyone else, I'm just like, I'm so into it. I, I'm, I'm so, so into it. I'm so into this lineup. It, it, um, it goes back to a time when the, uh, well, we were still past 15 years, uh, Southside Sox, diabetic free, but somewhere out there, it might have been out there in the wind that we were going to get together. But uh, early preseason, offseason doing these podcasts, yes, Adam Eaton came up. And I think the biggest protest I had, and I don't think many others I spoke to disagreed, is how could that guy be your offensive acquisition for the off season? How could he be your number one priority to the point that you're signing him on the first day of free agency? I get that if he's the guy like in March 15th, you're like, well, shoot, we struck out with everybody. They don't want to join this cool movement on the South side. So, okay. Adam Eaton's still around and all right. He knows how to get to the park. He won't get lost. So, okay. Yeah. All right. He can, you know, we can, we can have him platoon with Adam and go fine. The idea that he's like the guy Rick Hahn was like, yeah, this is the guy we decided we just had to have. He's a lefty bat. He's got a beard um, and he <laughs> grinds. Uh, is It's still a head scratcher. I mean, I guess just as head scratching is that somehow they cut bait with the guy and they're like, yeah, we'll eat the eight million we decided to give this clown. Uh, just to get him out of the clubhouse. Yeah, that's a that's an experiment that didn't work. When mid-season Thanks. you're saying, take the your rest of your three and a half million dollars and get the hell out of here. Uh, please do not um, shadow this ballpark again until Rick can't, Rick Hunt can't help himself in a year or two. And he's like, Oh God, I got to have eaten. <laughs> yeah. You identifying him as, as the want, want of this uh, off season and team is, uh, is not unique. And again, uh, further validates your perceptiveness as a fan. Okay. Uh, die this pitching staff, I think has to have, uh, outpaced your expectations. I think we all went in wringing our hands thinking, okay, yeah. is Lance Lynn going to just ro- belch and roll over on the mound and never get up again. Instead, he's a Cy Young leader. Uh, uh-huh. Giolito has got himself back together. Uh, Carlos Rodon, come on. No one could Give have anticipated. Uh, Dylan Cease seems to figure it out. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, okay, whatever. But I mean, the <laughs> fact that this is a solid rotation win all year long, there's been nothing back in these guys. The yeah. specter of having like Jimmy Lambert have to be in the rotation has loomed from the start. And these guys have just fended it off saying, all right, we got this. Uh, your impressions of this rotation, again, having pretty much having to have uh, outpaced your expectations. It absolutely hundred percent. And I have to credit Ethan Katz because look at what Cease is doing right now. Look at what Cease is doing. Yeah. Give me a break. And like, so obviously Don Cooper was great. He knew what he was doing, but everyone's number 
is up, you know, like I'm not yeah. a model anymore, man. I got a little, <laughs> got a little wrinkles, you know, like we all have to, we all age out of our positions. And I just thought, oh, fuck, sorry. Uh, it's Uh-oh. a close game. Oh. <laughs> we all age out and, you know, I just feel like Don Cooper couldn't have gotten it done. And when Ethan Katz came up, I was like, okay, let's, let's see what this guy can do. Yeah. And holy shit, who would have thought that Dallas Keuchel would be our weakest link mm-hmm. at this point? And nothing against him, you know, like he's not, he's not like shitting the bed or anything. Right. It's just that he did, who would have thought that, I mean, it's, it's great. It's a dream. And you get that feeling. I don't, I don't know. In 2004, it was a twins game. And was it a twins game? Remember in 2004 when someone got cleated in the face? Was that the twins or the Royals? Well, the big one uh, in the Aussie era before the World Series with the twins was the uh, what, Jimmy Burke getting plowed by, uh, uh, by Tory Hunter. Uh, yeah, that was it. Okay. That was it. That's exactly what it is. Uh, we had made the sign that was just, you know, the White Sox bat guy mm-hmm. uh, beating the shit out of the Twinkies. <laughs> the little hat. And I remember uh, after that happened, God, good memory, great memory on your part. I was there and I couldn't remember. Oh, well. I remember at that game, I was like, oh my God, we're going all the way next year. This is, we picked up after All-Star break in 2004, like, well, shit, we're going all the way. This is good. Next year is going to be the year. And I remember saying this and everyone was like, fuck you. Yeah, right. And I was like, no. Uh, I think this year, I kind of got that same feeling like brewing. I mean, obviously we're in a rebuild, you know, we've rebuilt mm-hmm. we're not in a rebuild. We've rebuilt and we've done a great job, obviously. Uh, I feel like we have a very good chance in the off season this year, despite our record against better teams, mm-hmm. uh, which whatever, like, God guys, just give us a break. <laughs> I just feel like a lot of times the white Sox have been, written off by major news outlets so so quickly and so chronically that it doesn't matter what people say it doesn't matter like look at our team look at look at everything look at the numbers and look at the way our guys play together you can't get you know like the spirit of that dugout once adam eaton was gone you know (laughs) like everyone was on board and i don't get disappointed to see anyone come up like larry is back and like you know he's Mm -hmm. doing stuff it's everyone is doing stuff. Let's, uh, boy, uh, it's just like me to perhaps uh, dwell yeah. on perhaps some of the uh, negatives of the team. We are, but you, okay, to be fair, you did bring up Adam Meaton. I just, I just harumphed you on that one. Uh, okay, let's talk about the other big controversial move of the offseason and how it has played out into the season. That is the hiring of Tony LaRussa as the manager. Uh, you're feeling then, and I guess, has it changed to now? That's a great question. Uh, I was perplexed. Yeah. Like there are so many other options and I'm like, we just talked about aging out. I <laughs> was like, this dude can't even drive without, I mean, he blew a 0.95 man. Like and died, they knew it, and they I know, hired they, I him. I know, I know, they knew it. Like this is your, this is your, 
this is your, hey, here I am. This is your introduction to us and, you know, the fans and the team. And I was like, oh, for this shit. I was off. I was, I was like, oh, great. Well, I guess we're not, I guess we're not going to, you know, maybe make it all the way. How do I feel now? I feel way different. I got really pissed off at him for the your mean thing. And it's like, you're going to take a dude who's, and I don't think we should kowtow to anyone's uh, insecurities or whatever. But like I said before, being a baseball player is impressive. Being a minor leaguer for a decade and just barely missing over and over again and then getting an opportunity like your mean had. And then just being the way that Larusa treated that just seemed odd to me. I feel like shouldn't he have his players back? I got so fucking pissed off at him for that. And now I'm like, okay, I, he's on thin ice. I'm 50 50. I saw a clip of him uh, yelling at Sebi Zavala right. earlier uh, yesterday, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm back and I'm back and forth. Yeah. Do I think that my anger doesn't matter? Yeah, of course it doesn't matter. It's like in my opinion doesn't matter. But the I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 hot and cold on him. Yeah, and I mean for for those, and I mean it's it started in the off season. It certainly um, gains volume as the team has done well. Of uh, a certain percentage of the fan base saying get off it. Uh, lighten up on it and frap a number of people saying, Oh, th- th- somehow this proves his greatness. Um, you know, I, I apologize to them for having to continue to, to address this, but this is the fate of the team. The team has undeniably, I'm sorry, people, it has underperformed. I don't care from the, fir- in the first place, they could be better. People act like, cause they're in first place. It's like, well, then the discussion ends. No, this could be a better team. This team could be right now in the number one seed, which is what we're trying to do, trying to play games at home to have an easier road through the postseason, uh, so we can get another one in the World Series because nothing is nothing has guaranteed us. Things have clicked so well this year, uh, despite the injuries. No pitchers knocking very hard on Woodyear. No pitchers have had any uh, troubles, and it seems like they're pitching strong into toward October. Uh, so it is something to address. No, are we going to, I think you're expressing it well, Di, where it's like, okay, I'm I'm on the fence. You're not protesting the sock. You're not not watching the, the games. You're not hating the fact that they're winning. And there probably are fans out there who are so anti what they did in the off season that maybe they are, you know, there's, there's this like secret desire to see them not do well. I don't think any of us really are representing that extreme, but to just ignore the idea that they could have done better, they could have actually had a search, even if they still decided on this guy, they could have gone through a search. That's yeah. the whole point. They haven't done it since Ozzy. Yeah. It's a long time ago to not have any managerial search. And I know they haven't had 12 managers, but they've had a few with no search. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, you, you're expressing it well, or it's sort of like, well, I hope we're just able to keep plugging the boat and it doesn't take on too much water and something bad really doesn't. And those, those Sebi moments and even those Jermaine moments are somehow just corralled and there's not a big story in the clubhouse we don't know about. And, and, and hopefully what we're being told and fed, oh yeah, he's, you know, he's got the clubhouse. He was respectful with it to begin with, and he still is. I have my doubts, but as long as this, you know, as long as the car's still on the road, 
okay. And if they fail, it's probably not going to be because of him. Now, granted, it might be because we have a guy better than him steering them to, to, to greater success. Of course, I could have made a choice that was worse. I don't know. I'm not, no names are, I can't think of any names, but okay. <laughs> In theory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and so we'll see how it plays out. We're certainly not rooting against the white size to do well because of Tony LaRusso, but it's curious and it's worth addressing. And it's an ongoing story because I mean, hey, he's the manager and he's not invisible. As much as people make jokes about him sleeping through games, I mean, he's not invisible. He's he's the guy. He's making a lineup. He's yelling at guys in the dugout. He's he's defending other teams and telling them I, to throw at his players. I just can't with that. You know what? I, call, <laughs> call me crazy, but uh, and you can if you want to. Uh, I liked Ricky. I I know there are a lot of people who disagree with me. He gives guys too many chances. He's not you know, like making smart moves, but you know, I never like fucking hated him. <laughs> I never sat down and was like, Ugh. well, I, I think I know, it, I know he's not the best. I like, I get it. What do you think about the crazy notion of, and I don't know, I don't have my pulse on like white Sox Twitter because some of it's super toxic. Yeah. And they're like, oh, a woman. Baseball, a woman likes to baseball. And I'm like, hey, bye. Guess what? <laughs> Southside Sox fans, whether you like it or not, Southside Sox is fighting hard against that. And we are going to win. Doing a great job, by the way. Love it. Uh, I might ruin it with my opinion. But right now, my opinion that I'm uh, going to say right now, I... If you ask me if anyone in the world could, who has been a manager for a club, mm-hmm. if I could have anyone in the world manage the White Sox, call me nuts. I want Ozzy back. That's what I want. Because I know that he, he, here's the thing. The dude is decisive. If you can say anything about the dude, he's decisive. He doesn't waffle. He doesn't, he's not like, oh, let's give this guy a chance. Like, Ricky, right. you know, like he's, he's decisive. He knows exactly what he would do. Does he make the greatest moves of all time? No, but I mean, get behind your players, man. Like he everyone's back and he loves the White Sox. I mean, like he is the White Sox in some in some universe <laughs> he, he was undeniably a uh great manager one of the best in uh team history uh i think he left a very sour taste when he left and joined another team before the season was over yeah i'm not sure that his current job is helping endear him to uh ownership uh, it would be very interesting, I will say. It would be very interesting to see the possible route because it's not 0%. I don't think it's 0%. It would be interesting to see what route there would be to have that marriage uh, rekindled. I, of course, neither of us could see it happening with any likelihood at all. But again, it is more than 0%. So uh, it's, but yeah, if he keeps calling Tony out for yelling at players when he destroyed the career of Sean Tracy. I mean, just be consistent. I mean, he, he, he's on uh, his current media persona is, is a little challenging to take. And I speak, I say that as a person who actually did cover the guy would consider him even a friend. Uh, He, he's, he's getting a little 
get a little crazy. And uh, I know that's sort of what the job requires, but, uh, and toning it down is not something he's going to do and not something I'm going to tell him to do. And that's something he's going to come to on his own. But, uh, it's been interesting to follow him and then to realize also that he's very sensitive. He, oh, yeah. he throws his elbows a lot, but then if anybody actually throws sort of like nudges his way, he's like, Oh no, no. And I mean, I know he's sort of got like team Gian, you know, like looking out for him and all that. And I know yeah. he's taking his fair share of shots, but I think that's an interesting twist too, because this, the skin's a little soft. It's a little soft, surprisingly it soft is. for a bullfighting fan. Surprised. Surprisingly not soft. Surprised. It's not surprisingly soft. I'm not surprised. I remember his face. You remember the disappearing ball like thing where he just like <laughs> he's so sensitive. He really like his ego is fragile. Yeah. 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 I guess. All you have to do is read his face. <laughs> well, I you mean, know, he knows the clip will live forever, so sorry. <laughs> sorry, hidden ball trick, Ozzy. Sorry. If they didn't get you and twice. I will watch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Three times. Yeah. And I will watch it a hundred times until I die. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. You gotta, gotta. So do you have a good feeling about how this is going to end, uh, die? Do you think that this team might still be maybe say a year away? Does it, will it need new management to really take them? Because we've been sold this idea of a competitive window as if somehow a team in a major market should just say, well, gosh, it's our five years. We better hope we do something before the five. I mean, the Cubs just did it. They had a window and granted, they had a very successful run of getting to the playoffs. You have to acknowledge that. Uh, they didn't do, I'm sure, what they uh, aspired to do by winning just once and having that essentially <clears throat> gifted to them by Cleveland. But uh, the, uh, you know, that's over. And now Cubs fans are supposed to say, no, listen, I hope they suffer. <laughs> I hope they suffer and suffer badly. But, you know, the notion that's like, oh, sorry, it's 2021. The window's shut now. We're actually going to hasten it with ridiculous trades in the middle of the season when the team is still technically, well, I don't hear much about white flag with the Cubs. But anyway, uh, that somehow the White Sox, are, you know, us as fans would say, well, maybe we have this decade. Maybe we have till the middle of the decade. Uh, but boy, we better do it. Uh, but that aside, I mean, apparently this is the way baseball works now. Unless maybe you're the Yankees. There's a window. So uh, given that we're in it, and given that they're in very nice position, obviously they're going to be in the playoffs and probably seated somewhat comfortably in the playoffs, probably pretty healthy going into the playoffs. How do you see it playing out? Uh, I don't want to jinx it. I'm not superstitious <laughs> of the least. I kind of have always kind of, I, so I, I do official calls for me and myself. <laughs> I just let me write it down what I think is going to happen beginning of the season and uh last year was weird because of COVID yeah uh this year I called the beginning of the year that we might go to the world series and and okay. I still see that as a distinct possibility I don't I mean obviously it all depends on who we're playing and I mean uh, redundant sorry but the I I see that as a distinct possibility Unlike other years, though, in 2005, there was a feeling of desperation that I felt. Mm. And it was a feeling of desperation for my family and for me. You know, like baseball isn't life. So I maybe I'm being histrionic, but I wanted to win so bad. God, just mm. so, so bad. This year, it's been an absolute joy to watch the team 
no matter what happens. I think that I don't feel the desperation to like, oh, wow, I hope they win a World Series now. I understand the window thing. I get it. I know Mm. contracts are limited. I understand, like, also we spent more money than whatever, (laughs) you know, like, but I just feel like it's been such a fun year it's been such a great lineup. Of course, I would love to see them win the World Series. But I mean, even if they go, I think I'll just still be really, really happy. But that's my call. I think that we will see a White Sox World Series. And if I had to call it, I would say probably White Sox Brewers. How fun would that be? That would be really awesome. I mean, that team looks great. We're not going to talk about them, but they sure do look great. And, yeah, they uh, uh... They they took us to the shed a little bit. Uh, preseason, I actually got maybe it was at least a dozen. I would say about fifteen people on staff to commit to picks. Uh, I will report that many took the path you did, which said White Sox World Series but lose. Uh, we had some people predict White Sox World Series and win. Uh, we had one person say they would not uh, make the playoffs, and I'm not saying that that was me, but it was me. <laughs> it was you, <laughs> although. Uh, the truth is I did not pick them. I was not the low um, man or woman uh, on wins. I think I had 89 wins. People picked them for less wins, but, but doing better. Somehow yeah. I was, the, I actually believed the hype that this division was going to be pretty good. And I thought so too. We were wrong on that one. Um, so yeah, you would have sidled in probably, uh, probably on the maybe more slightly more optimistic end, but I think uh, well within definitely not. Uh, you wouldn't be sitting at the kids' table with me where we're not even going to the playoffs. Uh, that was uh, okay. Um, looking back, I guess idiotic. But had we had any clue that the Twins were going to uh, shit the bed in like April fifteenth. And uh, Cleveland was going to bail, you know, honestly bail on their season, maybe for good reason, because they, they did finally get hit with some, some injuries that maybe they hadn't suffered in, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And there would be no real true surprise runs, not that we expected from Detroit or Kansas City. But given the fact that the White Sox have taken this division, not just because they're good and they're good, but because yeah. the rest, the other four teams have taken two, three, four steps back. And by virtue of that, the White Sox look to the left and the right and say, well, I guess it's us. Uh, let's hope. It's not quite that they don't grind into the playoffs that way, but I mean, they're in, they know it. And you'd like to think, hopefully this is a way that La Russa can really pay off. He's been there. He's been, he's gone down to the wire. He's with the White Sox for God's sake has had a division wrapped up on September 1st uh, or virtually. So he's had all this range. Uh, You'd think he would know how to manage this. He's probably already doing some of it. We've seen Kopech sit for longer than he needed to. We've seen Tim Anderson take his uh, time and get him back. We've seen his minor Grandal probably could be back. He might not be uh, back up until maybe September 1st. So it seems to be that, uh, you know, hopefully there's some method, you know, to, and, 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 whether he is sleeping through games, whether his in-game management has been a plus or a minus to the team, hopefully big picture. Uh, one thing he can prove to have been, and we can all maybe acknowledge during a World Series parade was an asset, was the way he was able to sort of um, chess move this entire season. Um, he could be sort of flaming the team out. I mean, we don't know whether it's good or bad, but hopefully all goes well. We can say, hey, you know what? Maybe day-to-day you know, and, and, and maybe he's not a guy who ever should have been in the position, but 
the Hall of Fame strength that he brought to the team was a big picture and being there. Ricky Renner, you know, would not have had that experience to know. Mm-hmm. It would, doesn't mean he would have done poorly, but he would not have been there before to say, all right, this is, this is how we manage it. This is how you talk to guys. This is how you listen to guys. I hope all that stuff's happening. We don't know. You might just be yelling at people, snoring, uh, uh, tippling. I mean, who, you know, who knows what's going on, but I mean, you know, so far so good. They're in first place. We can't complain too much. You look at the moves that he's doing, like you said, he's sitting out TA and I mean, like, I don't know, we have, uh, who knows who to credit with everything that's been going on. And like you said, I mean, like I'm taking the twins being shitty. It feels so cathartic and good. It feels better than the Cubs being bad. I don't even give a shit about them anymore. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the best thing. Uh, I mean, like, I obviously I want to beat them when we play them, but the twins being just, God, just literal shit. Yeah. It's, it's so sweet. But when you look at what's going on, I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely priming them for the playoffs. You can tell. I don't know. Uh, I, I, we're not going to be able to make a final statement yeah. and a final assessment about what he's done until I think the season is over. Uh, and yeah, um, hopefully, uh, Di, we're going to be talking again on a podcast before you apply the L gum to Wrigley Field. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully very soon. But as we wind this one up, uh, again, welcome everyone to uh, Diabilic Day. Uh, it is Saturday. It's the uh, sandwich game of the Crosstown series. If the White Sox aren't on their way to a sweep, something is very wrong. Again, we are speaking to you from the past. We do not know what's even happened with the rest of the Toronto series because we are anticipating Diabilic Day and uh, enjoy her feature on, well, I'll just say lip reading. Uh, enjoy her game coverage for what will probably be a resounding Let's predict it from the past. I'm going to say Saturday's victory will be, I'm going to say nine to one guy. I was going to say eight to one. Okay. And you know what? The the embarrassment, I, I just can't wait. I can't wait to write about how embarrassed they're going to be. <laughs> I can't wait to see Nick Madrigal again in a huge cast because they don't know what else to do. Maybe we'll see their ball boy out. And let's <laughs> I mean, like that was a closeout sale. Yeah. What are they even doing? Yeah. Yeah. The what, One more tidbit here. Okay. Uh, last game I went to, I unfortunately uh, can't get vaccinated because of my medical condition. I just got cleared to be vaccinated. So I will be vaccinated very soon, which I'm good. super excited about. Good, good. But I've only gone to one game and it was with limited capacity. And it was uh, a great, it was a great game. We won. I told my dad because I'm from here and he picked me up and he's from the South side. So, and he dropped me back off, and I said, Dad, we're wearing all of our socks here. We got the hats. We got eight layers of clothes <laughs> on, shirts on, and jersey. Let's go down to Wrigley just really fast and grab some Big Stars. It's my favorite restaurant that's right across right. the damn street. And we went there, and we the game was on on their big uh, fancy Jumbotron in their new like $8 trillion neighborhood strip for some mm-hmm. reason. And it was just so sweet. And we wore our socks here and I looked around and there were not a ton of Cubs fans. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it tells you that their Cubs fans are making the correct moves and they're jumping ship. And, you know, you may disagree with me, but everyone's welcome on this bandwagon. 
all this, a bunch of Sox fans just cringed and now they're throwing up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that. No. But for real, we, it's, it's time. What will be to jump ship? What will be interesting? The Tribune doesn't own the Cubs any longer. Mm-hmm. The there's hideous ownership, uh, which does have money, but uh, they are owned by owners worse than ours. Uh, they do not have WGN power. This is a different climate than there's been essentially in almost any of our lifetimes, certainly almost any of our fan lifetimes. It will be very interesting to see how things proceed because lifelong fandom. Okay. I get it. There is lifelong fandom. I don't, I would never, even if the Ricketts had bought the White Sox, I would not become a Cubs fan. I'd be something else. I don't know. Maybe not a baseball fan, (laughs) but this is, we've not ever experienced this. This is, this is much more the 1970s. And if it's, in fact, it might be much more the 1950s when the White Sox are poised for greatness. The Cubs are coming off a run and about to sort of get bad. And the White Sox dominated the city of Chicago for a solid two decades. And all of us as fans have been told for so long. And of course, there's the attendant shaming and all that nonsense that it can never be. Nothing will ever turn. It's always, there's always going to be 3 million people at the tourist destination, the Wrigley Field, and now the attendant uh, vomitorium mall that surrounds it, et cetera. Um, uh, and we're going to see that put to the test. We're already seeing a lot, a lot, a lot of empty seats at Wrigley. And again, I'm not going to get into the game that we've had to withstand for well, forever about attendance shaming. I'm not going to do that because why would you show up for a crap team? Why would you reward ownership for the crap moves they made this year? I'd be pissed and stay away this year too. Uh, but it's a little too easy just to say the Sox are good now, so it's going to turn. But com- combined with a number of other factors, including the media dominance that the Cubs have enjoyed now for 40 years, uh, that's over. It's yeah. done. I don't know the White Sox. Maybe they're going to go sports vision again. Maybe they're going to find a way to screw this up, but it's out there for them to dominate this. Uh, so this stuff goes in cycles. It always has. It's been a long cycle uh, back in the Cubs. Uh, it's been really most of our, all of our fan lifetimes. Uh, and it's, I think it's going to change. The White Sox can screw it up. The Cubs could somehow do better than expected and they could bounce right back into it and they could dissolve marquee. They could do a lot of things. I suppose they could do a lot of things to, to bounce back into this quicker than possible, but it's looking like this decade is going to be a really good White Sox one. And it's going to be very curious to see, of course, all you clowns from bleed cubby blue. Who, who I get to put things out for because Allianz nice enough to let me write on their site every time there's a White Sox series. And usually I'm self-deprecating, but I'm slowly getting a little bit angry and slowly getting a little bit ballsy when it comes to writing on enemy territory. All of you are welcome. Of course, there's room for you. You want to see good baseball? I don't blame you. Uh, there's nothing to blanch out about. Well, okay, a little bit to blanch out about, about ownership, but it's not the same thing. You're welcome here. And let's just make a joke on ourselves. There are seats available for now. There are seats available. Come on. You're only 10 miles away. Come on down south. Have some fun. Jeez. That doesn't just it. involve getting blackout drunk. Okay, well, die. we will wind up. This podcast number 62. I really appreciate you joining us, not just on this podcast, but on the site again. We're celebrating Diabolic Day here on Saturday, sandwich game of the Cubs series. We have predicted a final score of eight and a half 
uh, to one victory for the White Sox. Uh, we'll see how that plays out because we are speaking to you from the past. And uh, again, as always, thanks everybody for listening, for reading, sometimes even watching. And Di, thank you for hopping on with us. This is going to be a fun ride. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody, we'll be back probably with the podcast before you even want another one, but we're going to still give it to you.